Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. I am so glad you're here with me. We're going to get into your Saturn return. We're not sharing your birth information. That's all established and happy. But you tell me, what is your question? What would you like a reading about? So uh, pretty much the long and short of it is um, I'm in the midst of my Saturn return and I'm just trying to figure out how can I just really stay present in the middle of all of this chaos. You know, there's been a lot of change going on, um, especially within the last year. I moved states. I changed jobs. I finished grad school, internships, the whole nine. And I'm just I'm trying to keep my head on. And then, you know, global pandemic and all that other fun so stuff. Chill. So, so chill. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. just, what a time to have a Saturn return. I'm going to double check something before I open my trap. I'm, I checked it. But then when you said that you were in the middle of your Saturn, you see you're in the middle of your Saturn return. Just kind of like figure of speech. Like, okay. like okay, I know cool. I'm in it, um, but I don't know like exactly where I am on it. It hasn't begun. So that's why it I got hasn't begun. Pandemic. Oh my God. Oh, so sorry. Listen, when I pulled up your birth chart, I was like almost jealous because your chart makes me look like I'm not much of a Capricorn. And I am so identified. I have sun, moon, and rising all in Capricorn. But my God, you've got Mars, Neptune, Uranus, Venus, and the sun all conjunct each other. And they're all very tightly conjoined, but they're all in the 12th house. So there's mm-hmm. a lot to say, but I, I guess I just had to like exclaim at the beginning. That is a lot of Capricorn, like a lot of Capricorn. It is. And it is. It a is. Lot it's got me in a chokehold. <laughs> it, it truly, truly does. And also it's the kind of thing that ages really well. So pre-Saturn return, having that much Capricorn in your chart is pretty damn difficult, especially in childhood. Then the next two Saturn cycles can get a lot easier because the world kind of catches up to your maturity, but I digress. We're going to pull back. And I want to just acknowledge that your Saturn is at 28 degrees of Aquarius, which means your Saturn return actually begins February 11th of 2023. And it will remain active until March 7th of 2023. It's a bada bing, bada boom. It is like not even a full month of the active transit, but that actually, I mean, it of course means something, but I think it's important for me to say that your sudden return can be seven days and it can really impact a person where you are is in the lead up period to the sudden return. But what's kicking your ass aggressively is Saturn. You're not wrong. Saturn is conjunct your ascendant at 19 degrees of Aquarius. So you're definitely feeling Saturn. You're just not feeling, you're, you're in the buildup period to the Saturn return. You have this incredibly clustered chart, right? There's so many conjunctions in it. You have all those planets in cap. You have uh, Mercury and the sun conjoined out of sign. Uh, and then you've got this really rich interception in your first house. You've got the zodiac sign of Pisces intercept your first house where the moon is tucked away. And you also have Saturn in the first house, not in the interception. And the reason why I'm naming this is because 
for you, your Saturn return has so much to do with you finding yourself and identifying who you are. And that would be so much easier if you didn't have almost every planet in your chart, like almost every planet in your chart in the 12th house and your moon in Pisces intercepted the first. So you're really good at being responsive to situations. You're really good at being responsive to people, um, to calamity in the world that like, you know how to locate yourself in that, but identity is kind of a different thing. And the Saturn return in your birth chart is really about, yeah, you giving yourself full permission to be who you are. Does that make sense as a starting point? Oh, hell yeah. Cause okay. I, I've definitely been feeling, especially since, you know, graduating from grad school, it's been this buildup of, okay, well, where do I see myself going with this? Is this even the right path that I, that I'm on? Is this the path that I want to make a career out of? It's been a whole lot of that. And, you know, who am I outside of academic achievements mm. and career and stuff like that? Let's, let's talk about that because, and what did you study? Do you mind me asking? Oh, uh, forensic psychology. Forensic psychology. Fascinating. I mean, I got to say, you're doing an excellent job of embodying your birth chart to a damn T because you've got this really strong square in your birth chart between Saturn, your ruling planet as a bazillionaire Capricorn, and uh, your Saturn is square to Pluto, which is all about getting to the bottom of things, like any kind of forensics would work. Um, but also you've got Pluto and the North Node in the ninth house, the house of higher education. And so I would imagine that university, higher education in general, drives you bananas, B-A-N-I-N-A-S. And you're also really good at it because there are really clearly described rules. And you, as much as you don't necessarily enjoy that, it's like relieving to you because it's, it's like putting a puppy in a pen. You're like, okay, this is the place I have to guard. This is my move. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you graduated and then what job does that mean you want to have? I, the pipe dream would be to, you know, work for the government. I have a particular interest in um, domestic terrorism and extremism. The J6 stuff was not a surprise yeah. to me. I saw that coming back when I was an undergrad in like 2017, 2018, and I did an entire project on it. So it's stuff like that, that really interests me. Just the, I guess the more general senses, you know, I want to help people. <laughs> I want to make, you know, my community a better, safer place and stuff like that, which mm -hmm. is why, you know, I, I love the psychology part of it. So I got to say, I'm not surprised that you were able to call it your Pluto's at 27 degrees of Scorpio. The United States is Pluto's at 27 degrees of Capricorn. So there's a direct conversation there. On a spiritual level, it makes sense. Understanding the way that the kind of corporation of America uh, functions, very intuitive for you. Like it, it's not that you don't study and you don't try, but it's like, it's just like a nice click because there's a conversation between your chart and the USA's chart, which is interesting on its own. But the other part of it is working within institutions makes a lot of sense for somebody with a stellium in the 12th house. And again, as far as 12th house stelliums go, this is one of the biggest I've ever seen. 
I've seen a lot of jealous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, lucky me. You're so lucky. <laughs> Nobody's jealous, but you're super lucky. But on the positive, of, sorry, <laughs> on the positive of it is the professional stuff, right? You know what you have an interest in. You have skills in it. The question is, do you have the ovaries to push yourself forward, understanding that in this field, first of all, there's going to be a lot of roadblocks, right? And it's also a slow path. It's not, I mean, I guess for some people in your field, it might be like, boop, I graduated and here we are. But I feel like it's likely to be a slow path for you because Saturn forms a square to your Pluto. So Saturn tends to slow things down. So are you having a hard time getting a job in or adjacent to what you want? Yes, very much so. I've been able to do internships. Of course, none of them paid that are within the field. I literally just finished one last night. It it was for like a national nonprofit and, you know, provided different like emotional support and resources and stuff like that. And I know that this is the area that I want to be in. I love it. It's just a matter of finding paid jobs or paid opportunities to do it. And yeah, it's, it's been a slog. So there's layers of what we need to talk about within this. Um, But I'm going to say Capricorn to Capricorn, we are going (laughs) to talk about your personal life. I will not be tricked by this fascinating conversation. (laughs) Uh, Fine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. So Jupiter is right now trying to your midheaven. That's great news. Jupiter is trying to your midheaven because it's in Aries at around six degrees. And I think you've got a couple more months of this. I can give you the exact date if you would like. But what that tells me is the internships, though grueling and unpaid as they may be, will bring you into conversation with people or into opportunities, connections that kind of plant seeds that, that will bloom in not too long of time because Jupiter acts fast. So I want to say, like, assume that everyone has power and everyone can help you get a job that you work with um, at this time, even if they don't in this moment, which I feel like I don't need to tell you because you have all that Capricorn. So you know how to, like, handle people. But the other thing is the way you describe what's going on sounds like a total boner, like it's not fun at all. But when I look at your birth chart, it looks like it is a struggle, but you're in the right place, doing the right thing around the right people. Does that line up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, <laughs> that's pretty consistent with how things have been for years. Uh-huh. And so like, I'm, I'm used to the struggle and, you know, I, some days I get in my Pisces moon, I'm just like, why is this happening to me? But, you know, it's like, I got to go and grab my balls or my ovaries and just feel like, all right, well, I made it this far. Shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep it common. So I want to just like, I want to pull back and cut to the chase. Okay. You've got a stellium in Capricorn. You've got Saturn in the first house, square Pluto in the ninth. You've got a North node midheaven conjunction. All of these things tell me that you will achieve your conscious life objectives. Let's just, let me start there. Okay. Now I can tell you this and every older person that you've ever met who's worked with you has probably told you the same fucking thing. Am I right? Yeah. 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 Uh huh. Okay. And it doesn't matter because you're like, it's perfection or failure and there's nothing in between. Capricorn. Yeah. 
But I want to just affirm that. And I want to assert that because I really do perceive that. And it's not because you're lucky. You're not especially lucky. It's because you work really hard and you're focused. So that's a really important place to start. But, but we're not going to linger there because until you're like plucking fruit from the tree, you're like, is it a tree? Is it a long plant? Nobody knows. So that brings us back to your Saturn return. So first of all, the Saturn return, like what is it? And you probably already know, but I'm going to give you my quick spiel on it, okay? The Saturn return happens two to three times in your life, depending on how old you get. You are at your adult onset, the Saturn return, as I think of it. It's the closure of your childhood and the opening of your adulthood, which is super annoying for most people to hear, especially people with a lot of Capricorn, because you're like, I've been an adult since I was 10. Fuck you. But... You may be a highly mature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I see your chart. But regardless, being a very mature or very smart or very savvy child is not the same as being an adult. And the difference is time and experience. So Saturn of me to say, but that's literally the difference. And that's literally what Saturn governs. The Saturn return marks that time where you're no longer reacting to your childhood or your childhood self or your parents or the people you were raised around or the people that you hated that you were around or whatever, it becomes a response or our lives become more of a response to who and what we are and the choices we make. So the Saturn return, therefore, is such a big deal. And for the last couple of years, you've been struggling. But this is the fucking problem with your chart is that, yes, in the last couple of years, you have been going through the buildup to the Saturn return. That takes about two years and your Saturn return starts in about six months. So, right, year and a half. But on top of that, Pluto has been sitting on top of every Capricorn placement in your chart for the last several years. So it's really hard to separate these transits for you because it all is just like the universe is raining fury upon my head. And it's hard. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly how it's been feeling. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure this is, you know, the Pluto transits are once in a lifetime events. What you've been going through over the last couple of years with Pluto has been so destabilizing for what you thought the world was, who you understood yourself to be, your peace with yourself, which was already tenuous because you're a person, right? Then the Saturn return of the last year and a half, as it's been building, has been probably forcing you to more consciously confront things and confront things with people. And that's the thing that's so uncomfortable for you because in your birth chart, Venus is in the 12th house and it's conjunct, yes, the sun, Uranus and Mars, but also Neptune. And so even though you have a really strong personality, you've really fixed ideas, hello, Mercury and Aquarius, um, you in many ways really know yourself When it comes to interacting with other people, you're so good at finessing them, figuring out what they want or they need and kind of like, mm, kind of bending yourself to that, that when you're in situations or periods of life where you've got to just be like, no, it's X, it's not Y, it's really can be quite uncomfortable for you. Does this make sense? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because that's definitely been a recurring theme over the last several years. And it's gotten to points where I've had to put my foot down and I hate it. And internally, I'm like shaking, but things have escalated in different work situations, particularly where I've had to just kind of lay down the line and be like, no, 
I'm not going to put up with this. We're not going to do this. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. It's effective. But it's effective. It it's sucks effective. going through it. So were you raised with both your parents? Yes. Okay. And yep. what you knew this was coming. So sorry. So sorry. The fucking stellium. It's not me. It's the stellium. Um, so <laughs> which one of them was the really assertive, aggressive one? Was that your mom? That was, it was kind of both of them because they are both cancers. They're several years apart, but they're one after the other in terms of birthday. So mom's a cancer, was it cancer sun, Aries moon. Dad's a cancer sun, Virgo moon. Damn. So did you have a harder time with one of them or was it with both of them? Harder time with mom. Dad was at least a little bit more like grounded and we saw things much more similarly. And I pride myself in being like logical, whatever that means. But um, mom was more kind of like emotionally driven. The Virgo moon that your father has would make more sense to you. It's just like logical, but also even if he's a swirling mass of emotion, he doesn't lead with that. Whereas that Aries moon with the cancer sun placement for sure is just like feeling action, feeling action. Of course, having so much Capricorn in your chart, having two cancer parents, they're likely to have taken a lot of things personally that are just your damn nature. The reason why I ask you this question in this moment of our conversation is because you were really like in your childhood, you were taught very firmly and clearly whether or not it was expressed directly to hold all of your kind of maturity and your Uh, fixed ideas about the world and how things should and shouldn't happen to yourself. So you're supposed to take responsibility for yourself and take care of yourself, but not bring it to anyone else, not tell anyone else anything. That makes sense, right? Oh, a million and 10%. I, cause like, yeah, I, I was the one that, you know, had to keep their head level and be able to handle everybody's baggage. Cause I'm also the youngest of three. I didn't necessarily have the space to, you know, openly kind of been like, you know what, I'm struggling. It was almost seen as like a personal attack. Like, oh, well, what am I not doing? It's, it's, and it's not about them. <laughs> like I yeah. have my own life and my own struggles, but yeah. It's, yep. it's really interesting because the way that your chart is written is you're supposed to take 100% responsibility for yourself, but If you take 100% responsibility for yourself, it's somehow seen as provocative or upsetting to other people. It's kind of this no-win situation. And, you know, when you were conceived uh, and in the first years of your life, your parents were going through some fucking hard times, it looks like. And it wasn't your mom or your dad. It was your mom and your dad. Their coping method was to not cope was to pretend it wasn't happening, to push it down. And this is a really intense thing that shows up in your chart because of your 12th house stellium, right? And somehow your fucking Saturn ended up in the first house, just sitting there like a big thumb, like, you know what I mean? Just like everything else in your chart, is kind of hidden. It's kind of submerged, but that Saturn. And so it's like, you got to be your mother's I won't say enemy, but you were her adversary. Like you were her dad figure. You were her Saturn, basically. What you learned in your childhood is something that you're needing to unlearn now. And it's really painful. And it goes against your survival mechanisms. And that thing is 
taking responsibility for yourself in a way that is self-appropriate is a healthy thing. That's what you're needing to learn now. And that's specifically what you were taught was not true as a child. Your childhood was very confusing. It is very confusing. It's like your your family and your your environment wasn't just your parents were like, it is a beautiful night outside bright stars, bright moon. And you're like, yes, it's a beautiful night outside. Look at those stars. Look at the moon. They were like, why are you saying it's the night? It's clearly the day. Why would you say it's the night when it's the day? Everyone knows it's the day. And it just got real weird. It doesn't look like it got consistently real punitive, but it got real weird after that. Does that make sense? Oh, heck yeah. Because then um, my middle sister, I think she's a triple Gemini. She would always try to kind of tag along, especially with mom. Is especially if you know mom and I were having a sort of disagreement so it it definitely felt like me against everybody else in the house and it's like I'm I'm literally just stating like a, a making a statement of fact I I don't yep. understand what's going on how did this devolve right okay <laughs> so there what you just described is that basically what's been happening at work for the last year and a half uh, kind of, yeah. I feel like I'm sitting there looking at my coworkers like, what the hell? What? What? <laughs> what planet are we on? Oh my goodness. You know, I try very hard to, you know, be as clear as possible in my communications to reach out and be like, hey, you know, is this everything they need to know? And it just seems like, oh, well, why didn't you ask about X, Y, and Z random thing that you wouldn't know anything about? It's like, because I know nothing about it. I'm new. Mm -hmm. surprise (laughs) like I'm not (laughs) going to I don't know what I don't know so yeah it's been like just kind of wondering what the hell is going on all the time so there's a couple things I'll say one is during the Saturn return we tend to find ourselves in situations that mimic our childhood trauma situation so it's not that they're necessarily the same but you're in the same position where you're like what's real what's not real what do I have a right to and how can I express my needs and my my questions or my preferences in a way that actually gets my needs met because I imagine at work and in the situations you're in now much like in your childhood you're being totally reasonable your Mercury and Ascendant and Saturn are all in Aquarius. You got hella planets in Capricorn, totally reasonable. And people are like, how, why? Like that doesn't make sense. You're being mean. Why? And some of that is because you're working out how to uh, kind of own your space essentially in a way that isn't reliant on other people validating you. Right. It's like you giving approval to your own damn self is part of the lesson of Saturn in the first house. But there's another reason why. And this part you have a little more control over. It's that there's a reason why people uh, meme Aquariuses to be like aliens or robots. And, you know, I myself also have a Mercury in Aquarius and a lot of Capricorn. So I, I am with you on this. But like finding ways of verbally communicating that aren't just about saying the specific truth, but are a little bit more about receptivity. Because you want to remember that Aquarius Mercury is a fixed sign. Your Saturn is a fixed sign. So, you know, Aquarius is like the most open-minded zodiac sign around, except for when it doesn't want to listen or change its mind. You know, it's like this, like super open-minded, except for when you're completely closed-minded, classic Aquarius. And so part of what 
I think is important for you overall and developmentally, and in particular now because Saturn is squaring your ascendant, is considering how you are listening to the emotional and unconscious information people are giving you. You're a fucking forensic psychologist. So I'm guessing this is right up your damn alley. Um, so I say it from a slightly woo place. You say it from a more clinical place, but you know, potato, potato. So the key here is listening a little bit more to how it is that people communicate and doing what that 12th house is and, the, and that Pisces moon is really good at doing, which is kind of uh, reflecting it back to people. So if people use a lot of emotional languaging, you don't have to all of a sudden become a cancer. That's unrealistic. But you can, um, when writing emails or like communicating in general, make an effort to be like, this person responds well to niceties inserted or emotional like signifiers inserted. I can be aware of that because they're likely to not respond as well when I don't. And it's not like you have to bend to other people. That would be a reiteration of trauma from your childhood. But what's confusing to you is you do everything logically correctly and it doesn't always work and it's mystifying for you. And this is part of what that's about, right? It's listening to the information that people share of themselves with you and using it to make them more comfortable so that you can have better communication, which I think you're very good at technically, but maybe a little less good at emotionally. Yeah, and it's definitely been a lesson that I've especially had to learn with this past internship because it was a lot of communicating with people, whether they were in distress, because I had actively suicidal callers. I had people Mm. just sobbing on the phone with me. I had, you know, people just looking for resources. So just understanding how to meet them wherever they were and, you know, knowing like, okay, so this person really responds well to me you know, showing a lot of empathy or this person prefers me to just shut up and let them talk and stuff like that. So that it was definitely a huge lesson to kind of learn that in the, thankfully in the internship setting. That's, but, it, yeah, it's I the Saturn it square to Ascendant that was teaching you that one so aggressively. But here's the thing. You're very good in a crisis. I want, if there's going to be a crisis, I want Saturn Pluto square people to be in my field. Like somebody calling you suicidal in a work environment, not that it isn't hard or challenging for you, but it's in your wheelhouse. You know how to deal with buildings on fire. You grew up in a building on fire. Everyone was like, I smell no smoke. There's no smoke, but the building was on fire. That said, where it's more tricky for you is when you're dealing with your coworkers over email at the end of the week where it's more triggering for you is when somebody's like, I asked you to do X and you're like, I have evidence in front of my face on a computer screen where we both are looking to say you did not. And people just really like sticking to how they feel about what they asked you. That's your trigger more. That's literally happens. Like just asking, oh, well, what about this and this and this? I received like 10 messages in a row. I'm like, that literally is antithetical to the conversation we had not even two hours ago, or literally like, this is the evidence that I did these things. I don't know what else I can do to show you that. Like, here's what you need. (laughs) Right. Okay. So this is good. This, I mean, this is terrible, but this is also good. (laughs) It's terrible. First of all, I mean, that's just people for you. I don't care what your birth chart is. That's just fucking people for better or worse, probably worse. But the other thing, the reason why it's good is because 
when someone shows you their ass, it's not a reflection on you or your, your eyes that are perceiving said ass. It's a reflection on them. Why did they choose to show you their ass? You know, what's really important with the Saturn placement in the context of your Saturn return is recognizing that some people aren't willing to do the work. They aren't able or willing to participate. And it's not personal because what you didn't just share, but looking at your chart, I feel like I can infer is that when these things happen, it drives you to distraction. It's really demoralizing and really upsetting to you. Is that correct? Oh yeah, it can be because it falls under the implication that like, oh, well, you're not doing what I asked because it had even come up in previous conversations. And it's like, I, I am. And I can document all of these things or, well, you're not communicating X, Y, and Z, but I do. And it just bounces right off. I've provided explicit examples. I have mentioned it multiple times and it just, bink, (laughs) does not get absorbed into the noggin. (laughs) It was the perfect sound. I knew exactly what you were talking about. The head as a helmet (laughs) just flicked right off. This is an inevitability in life when you work with people, right? What your sudden return is teaching you kicking and screaming or not is that as long as you've done your due diligence you can let it go and you have right maybe more than your due diligence you've done a lot and you can let it go that's the kind of cool part of this and the hard part is that it's really fucking hard to let it go because you feel like you have to prove yourself And this is partially because objectively you do. It's work, right? And then also because this is a trigger from childhood for you. It's like this feeling of like, I just, I have a right to say that it's sunny out when it's sunny out. Like I actually have a right to this. Like it's a really deep trigger for you. And it makes you feel this very real loneliness is what it looks like. So, okay. Say your full name out loud. Uh, No, that's not your full name. Is it? I don't even have a middle name. What's your mother's maiden last name? Why a human child should be linked to the patrilineage over the matrilineage, it makes no sense. And when I look at names energetically, I can see energy. And when I looked at your name, I saw something missing. And then when you said your mother's maiden last name, I could see more of your energy. Were you also potentially picking up on the last name of moms had like a complicated Oh, relationship with with her um, family. She was adopted by technically her aunt. Okay. I have to ask you about this. Are you partnered? Are you dating? Single as a Pringle. Oh, I didn't know they were (laughs) singles. I thought they came in big junks. Okay. Okay. Single as a Pringle. Do you want to date? Eventually, but like the options out here are kind of rough. And um, yeah, just COVID, monkeypox. I'm very like, you know, conscious about that stuff. So eventually, but I I like to try to be safe. (laughs) I really appreciate that. Yeah, that's a bonkers time. Have you ever been in a relationship? No. Okay. Those were a lot of words you used on me about why you're not dating right now, but I could tell that other part. So and. When you, when you do date or crush out any specific gender or all the genders or some of the genders, what do you like? Unfortunately, men. I'm, my, my condolences <laughs> to you and yours. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Oh um, my God. Men are, men are rough. And you know, Mars in the 12th house conjunct Neptune. 
doesn't make it easier for you. So your Saturn return does encompass intimacy, platonic and otherwise. And I'm going to say some shit, which you can feel free to dislike. Because here's the thing. Work, very stressful. Did we need to talk about work at all? Actually, not more than five minutes. We did because I knew you wanted it. But the reality is you're going to make a difference in the world. I'm not worried about that. I mean, am I worried about how it's going to feel along the way? Yes. But you're so driven. You're so clear. um, You're so skilled. And you're so impatient. You're going to make shit happen. You're going to get the job you want. I don't know how long it'll take. You know, that's the problem. People think, oh, Capricorn's a patient sign. No, Capricorn's very impatient, but has long game. There's a difference, right? Okay, pulling back. Intimacy, intimacy, intimacy. Boundaries are not your forte. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So It's been a work in progress. (laughs) And it shall be for your days, I imagine. I mean, I think it is for most of us, but 12th house stellium, all that Neptunian influence, Saturn in the first is all about rules and rigidity and not so much about boundaries, actually. And then that moon in Pisces intercept in the first house. All of those things teach major lessons around boundaries. And what's really hard is you don't like being out of control. You don't relish the idea of having a bestie or a date represent you poorly in public. Um, That's a big deal for you. You don't like the idea of being a chum, you know, being in a situation where someone tells you they'll be there at six and they're not there at six. Like that is not a Capricorn's happy place or an Aquarius's happy place. But that Pisces moon will be like, yeah, but maybe I should just wait another 10 minutes and see what happens. Just foiling the rest of your charts plans. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. Yes. (laughs) A million percent. (laughs) Yeah. It's tough. So I agree with you that Saturn square, your ascendant, Saturn return in the first house, not the easiest or best time for dating. Some people do successfully get together with someone in this period, and they t- but it tends to be more like a partnership and not so much like a fun, sexy time. I mean, it can be fun and sexy, but that's not inherently what Saturn's about. But I want to warn you against deprioritizing vulnerability and intimacy at this important gateway, AKA your Saturn return, because all of these conjunctions that you've been going through from Saturn, from Pluto, and including your Saturn return, which is a conjunction from Saturn to Saturn, they are all openings to a new cycle of development. So, you know, the last 27, 28 years uh, has been the cycle you're in, but you're at the precipice of a new cycle and you do want to build a life with someone and you do need it to be built on trust. Like trust is the biggest of all the issues for you. And if you don't trust yourself, it is hard for you to put yourself in situations where inevitably you have to be vulnerable because then you place all your trust in someone else, even though all And literally all of your other instincts are like, don't fucking do that. Your heart's like, but that's the only way. The moon in Pisces, especially now that it's intercepted here in your first, I kind of think of it as like a little bit of like a Disney princess thing. Like, you know how like the Disney princess, when she gets kissed, her little foot kicks up behind her because it's so romantic. She loses herself. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. So your moon in Pisces wants that kind of like, or that kind of love. And the rest of your chart is like, what is love except for a choice to show up? But your moon in Pisces is like, uh, it's a feeling that transports you to another place. So it's important to bring all your parts together. And the way to do that, that will actually work for you is by building trust in yourself so that when you're in dynamic with a person at work, platonic friends, romance, whatever, when you're in a dynamic with a person, you are not abandoning yourself or giving up authority over your self-esteem to someone else. When you do that, you have to deal with the worst parts of the Pisces moon, right? Where you just like kind of feel like a sucker and your Capricorn stuff has no bounce back from feeling that way. Like none. Your Aquarius very similar, does not bounce back. So it's really important that you trust you. Trusting you means you give people, I'm a big fan of three, three shots, three strikes and you're out. It's a sports metaphor that I don't understand, but I don't care. It's three (laughs) strikes and you're out. Giving a person like people fuck up, you know, on a first date or a second date, people get nervous and they act stupid sometimes. Like I have, you have, everyone has. It's about giving somebody three chances, but not five chances to screw you over. You know, it's three is is my attitude. Now you might come up with a different number. It's okay for you to have kind of like you do with work, a sense of like, well, what are the rules? What are the parameters that I function well within? And what are the parameters that I don't? And they need to be flexible in your personal life, but having a sense of self-awareness where you don't defer to the situation or the person. That's what will create a foundation for you um, inside of yourself. So then when you meet somebody that's exciting to you, you don't throw away all your common sense or grasp too tightly to your common sense, which tends to be either or for you. Most okay. definitely. <laughs> and and the thing that's so tricky about this is that the Saturn return can be a time where people start to think about family and, and building a life. And do you want kids? Oh, no, no. Okay. I'm good. (laughs) I have two nephews. I love them immensely. I'm good to go. I respect that so very much. (laughs) So very much. Great. That's a beautiful thing because what that does is it takes away something that so many people struggle with, which is the timeline. There's no timeline when there's no need for kids. So you can partner up whenever it flows for you in your life without any kind of pressure. That said, Most humans get stuck in a way of being if we're not actively engaged with our relationship to emotion and vulnerability, right? So I want to say, I don't think you need to be dating or working on this right now outside of building a relationship with yourself that is based on trust, right? And it's a theme I really want to encourage you to think about throughout your set and return So in other words, until the end of your Christ year, AKA your 34th birthday, to really set it as an intention that you're going to not forget that you need to trust you. You need to be a bestie to you, no matter how important the job is, no matter how important the crush is or the whatever is, your relationship to yourself is incredibly important and it needs to be healthy. And sometimes- It is the best thing you can do to make a decision to, you know, suck it up or do something that's outside of your boundaries. As long as it's a conscious choice, that's okay. You just don't want to slip into like giving it 
giving away your agency. This is a major lesson of so much of your chart, but certainly that Saturn in the first house. I imagine as we get a little bit closer to your Saturn return, this part of the Saturn return is going to become more of a thing. Whatever idea that you may have that you can't or shouldn't or won't be partnered or have love, I want to disavow you of it. It's, that's too much Capricorn in the birth chart. That's what that is. Because you absolutely can have those things if you choose it. You basically are the kind of person who, when you decide you're going to do a thing, you do a thing. You haven't decided that this is the thing you're going to do quite yet. Have you dated at all? Uh, here and there. But, and it, it took me really until like COVID hit and because, you know, I was working from home and I was stuck at home with my parents and there were a lot of things I had to come to terms with. It took until then to realize like what the issue was. And I caught myself repeating like patterns of behavior that I did with my family which was always being, you know, the caretaker and the one that has to be on top of everything and the one that, you know, puts their needs last and, you know, the one that has to go and have that stiff upper lip and yada, yada, yada. And once that realization hit, because I thought, oh, you know, I'm just attracting, you know, the, the wrong people. It was like once that realization happened, it just completely changed, like me even considering being, being in a relationship I need to take my time to kind of figure out who I am and like try to establish some sort of boundaries because obviously there's an issue because I'm repeating the pattern for the course of damn near my adult life. Mm. So I love that you figured this out, you know, first of all, congratulations. And second of all, you've probably heard me say this before. I don't know how frequently I say it, but I feel like I say it a lot. I'm a big believer that life is like a game of deal or no deal with Howie Mandel. Bear with me. Okay. You've seen the show. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, you're Capricorn. I feel like you have to have seen the show. Take away (laughs) your Capricorn card. Okay. So we participate in, let's say in the situation, we're talking about your relationships in a particular way. You're doing what most humans do. You're repeating what's familiar in intimate dynamics, even though it makes you miserable, even though you don't want to. And the universe offers you something a little different and you get to say deal or no deal. And most of us, if it's too different, say no deal. But if it's a little different, we'll say deal. And then we force our same family trans pattern onto the new relationship dynamic and it doesn't work. And then it feels like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So there's two things I want to say out of my stupid metaphor. One of them is Part of truly changing through these difficult transits is recognizing when it's the same shit deal and saying no deal, right? So the next guy that, you know, you have vibe with, you may find really quickly that he's looking for a mommy or a daddy, or he's, you know, just like way too much of a, of a what do they call it? Fix it project. And then it's going to be important no matter how good the chemistry is, no matter how good the other parts are to say no deal to that. But the other part is recognizing that no matter what situation you find yourself in, you're you and you have your own history of trauma or whatever, right? And so it's really important to be able to, again, return to what is it that I'm 
on this game stage for? In other words, like, what is it that I'm actually here for? And what is it that I need to remember about who I am and how I want to be in dynamic? And it's really hard for you to not be helpful when you can be helpful because you're very helpful and you're very good at seeing what kind of help people need. So it's about learning to let people struggle on their own. That's actually what it's about for you. It's being like, okay, this is his struggle. And, you know, I could help. I could help in five minutes, what would take him six months to figure out a little bit. But that's part of being a good friend is letting people kind of like come to their own thing and recognizing that while you, yes, can help, it's not always appropriate. And sometimes it is, but it's definitely not appropriate in the first three months, which if you haven't been in a lot of relationships is the bulk of your relationships is the first three months, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's really about recognizing your beautiful capacity for help and assistance is something that people can earn, not in a bartered way, but like as trust is developed and you understand that they like you for things other than your ability to be helpful, and that you like them for things other than the ability to make you feel safe because you're helping them and you know your value when you're helping someone. Eh, that's an important piece. Once you've established that that's not the core foundation of your union, then you can help more. And boundaries are easier to create once there's a different kind of foundation. So that's just for you to like put in your pipe and smoke it later, you know? Yeah. Now, did I answer your core question? Do you have anything else that you would want to ask? Um, I guess maybe one other thing that I would like to ask, do I have like the spiritual support behind me? Like my uh, grandparents and stuff like that. You, know, you mean are, like, are do, they with they you? Yeah. Mm. And did you know your grandparents? I did. I never met mom's biological mother, but um. I only have like one remaining grandparent. That's my paternal grandfather. So there's a lot of layers to this, to my answer. One is your mom's birth mother is a very chaotic woman. Is that what she's told you about her? Mom hasn't told me really anything. Mm -hmm. It was, I got most of my information from my eldest sister because we're almost like 20 years apart. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's primarily where I got my info from. Mm -hmm. And did you hear that your grandma was kind of a chaotic woman or not? Yeah. So, yeah okay. Because your grandmother is actually around you. Uh, she's the one who steps forward first, but she's very chaotic. Um, very chaotic. She is like East Coast thunderstorm chaotic. You know what I mean? Like big weather. Um, you have a lot of spiritual support, not just your, you know, your blood relatives in the last couple generations. Like you have a lot of energy around you. I see the value of tapping into some of your uh, blood relatives as a resource for support. But, and I don't want to contradict your spiritual values in any way. I'll just tell you what I'm seeing and, you know, throw it away if it doesn't seem helpful. But I would say that your, one of your grandfathers looks, who's in spirit, looks very supportive and nurturing. Do you know who that is? Which grandfather that is? I think it would be, um, I guess, technically mom's uh, adoptive father. He passed the most recently, but then maybe the last five years. And then his wife passed a few years before him. And then it was uh, dad's mom that passed like 
maybe 10, nine She's years moved ago. on. She's moved all the way on. She's just like, I did it. I'm done. See you never. I'm out. And it's nothing <laughs> against anyone. She just like, she had her struggles and she's moved on. Your okay, grandfather good. was more of a, he wasn't the most verbal guy in the world, eh? From what I remember, he seemed very mellow. Very um, mellow. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's actually, if you're like panicking, if you're having a stressful time, he's the one I would tap into uh, because he's he's there and he's very nurturing. You have ancestors from down your family line on your mom's side that are very focused on you that, and I don't know names, um, that are very focused on you and that are very much in support of you. Did you have like um, doctors or people who worked in medicine in your mom's family line? I have no idea. I, don't I, think I know either. she doesn't really like to talk about that stuff and yeah, but it's, it's very like piecemeal, what mm. I know. Yeah. I'm definitely looking at um, women in your maternal ancestral line. And it looks like they worked with herbs or medicine or something like that. Um, so I'm, I think I might be looking far down the line, but you have a lot of support, but you're also just very woo. I know you've got a bazillion planets in Capricorn, but they're 12th house planets. You're very woo. Your access, like if you're panicking, you can tap into the earth. You can tap into the ocean, the, the stars, like you don't have to only work with your ancestors because your ancestors are, they're an interpersonal relationship and that's sticky for you right now. And so you might do that and then be like, why does it make me feel soothed? So you might be doing it pro like right, correctly, technically, but it might not consistently make you feel better because you're actually right now in the midst of doing some deep transformation with your relationship to your heredity. So it's not about those in spirit, but it is, it's not neutral in the same way as connecting to the universe or God or trees would be. Were you raised with religion? Uh, it was very liberal, like dad's Roman Catholic, um, very Puerto Rican. Mom grew up, I think, Christian, and then she converted to Buddhism. Mm. So my parents were just very much like, you know, we don't care what you believe in, just find your path. Believe in something. Yeah. 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 So, first of all, in your birth chart, you've got this Jupiter in the eighth house in Scorpio trying to your moon and Pisces in the first. And that is a really kind of classic experience of religion and spirituality. It's like permissive and expansive and like find your way, find your connection to spirit, which is weird. It's in contrast to a lot of other things in your childhood, but that is why, you know, astrologically you had that experience. You know, what you're doing is so in the machine, right? Like you want to work in government. Well, you have a degree in forensic psychology these things are all very linear in a way, right? They're all very um, analytic and kind of connected to the system. And so your spirituality, which is really big, is something that is, I imagine, very personal to you. It's not necessarily something like you're Instagramming or whatever. It's, it's very personal. And so I would say that your connection to your ancestors, your guides, the universe, God, whatever resonates for you. 
is something that you will develop over the course of your life. And I would say is essential for you to make space for because it will improve your mental health in a meaningful way, which is foundational to being able to be in intimate dynamics in a healthy way, whether it's through friends, lovers, whatever's, you know, even your parents. I actually think you do best when your spirituality is quite private. Honestly, you know, there's a way that a lot of people do a lot of sharing of their spiritual practices in public. And most lineages are not actually a great fan of this. It's like, it, there's a real power to keeping some things close to the chest and having a, a private life. Um, so I think that's great that you honor that about yourself. But I do think that part of what is probably incredibly helpful for you is having things that you can like learn from right? So maybe you're listening to Ghost of Podcast and you're like, this is where I learn from things. Yay. But over the course of your life, you're going to need many sources because I don't know that being spiritually monogamous is necessary for you. You know, I think for you tapping into your connection to that something more that exists, whatever we want to call it, is a really important part of finding your own voice for lack of a better word, for finding yourself and doing that through your grandparents, your like recent blood relatives absolutely makes sense for that to be a part of it. But I wouldn't imagine that that's the whole of it for you. Yeah. It's, it's comforting to know that, you know, there, there is a team out there because especially, you know, moving down here, like it, it's just me. I don't know anybody. So even if it's not necessarily the most tangible support group. It's nice to know that I'm not alone. You're not alone. And honestly, now that you tell me that I'm like, well, that makes more sense why your grandmother is the first one there. Cause she's so chaotic. And you're like, you stepped off a ledge, moved someplace. You don't know anyone. And it makes sense why your grandmother would then be like, let's fuck shit up. Let's see what happens. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's definitely the wild card in your, in your ancestral line um, that I can see. I'm sure there were others because, you know, there usually are more than one, but your grandmother definitely feels like a wild card. And I think what she's trying to get you to do is like unmoor yourself, which I would give you more words to if we weren't in a double pandemic. So first of all, she thinks it's funny how seriously you take yourself because she does not take herself that seriously. I'm just being shown that you're going to be just fine. It's like you get worried. And so you take a step back as a way to protect yourself from your worries. Again, let your Saturn return be the time where you tolerate your worries without stepping back. Because when you step back, it's like you're stepping into the fear Instead of standing firm and letting the fear, uh, you know, just move through you. Emotions are energy. They're, they have motion. They have movement to them. And you don't have to match the movement. That like matching the movement is like a childhood trauma for you. It's like everyone's saying it's nighttime out. And you're like, well, I don't want to fight. So fine. It's nighttime. Even though I'm getting a sunburn, it's nighttime. This is kind of part of that. Like, don't step back thing. Your grandmother does not disagree with what I've said, but what she thinks is you should just like go out and like try to have more fun, which I mean, is a weird piece of advice to give to a Capricorn. I'm not going to give you that piece of advice, but that's her advice. Um, do you dance? Oh my God. <laughs> I have, I used to like a lot. 
you know, especially when I was younger, I'd put on a CD and just dance, dance, dance the night away. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> what the, your... these knees are are saying now. <laughs> oh shit! Okay, Capricorn has come for you. Listen, your grandmother thinks you should be dancing. That's, I mean, she's just like you love dancing. So I'm going to agree with her on this. Actually, maybe you're not going to dance the way you did as a 20 year old or something, you know what I mean? Like your knees may say, mm, we're going to do a different kind of dance, but it's not just because it's life affirming and makes you like yourself more uh, or differently, but she feels that it's connected to putting yourself out there more. So she actually wants you to go out dancing, but again, double pandemic, I respect you. Also, you just, you're building a career, but it is the summer. And you could mask up and do an outdoor dance class or like event or something. Those things may exist. And if they do, you can be like a Capricorn 12th house lurker, go to them, not participate. <laughs> yeah, I see you. I see you. Um, go to it, don't participate, and then come back a different time and participate if you want. I find it hilarious that she she would say, you know, I want you to get out more because that's that was pretty much kind of like the running theme throughout my entire life because I always was very like academics focused. And it's like, okay, well, the, this is the role that I'm in. I, I have to, you know, stay in and studying, yada, yada, yada. And actually within the last like three days, something just came over me. I was like, you know what? I'm going to start seeing what's out there. I signed myself up for like yoga classes and for like different events that are outdoors. So I can, you know, be masked up and far away from people, yes. but just like things to help me experience, you know, the, this new city that I'm in. Good but, for yeah, you. And I, I, can't, I can't help but wonder if she knew that you were going to get a reading and she's been like, in your ear because the second you started asking me about this topic I was in she was she jumped in like instantly which when I said that I could see the surprise on your face because she's not like the grandparent that you had experience with or anything but if you've been mm -hmm. asking for help she'd be the one to be like mm -hmm. let's go tear shit up let's have fun she does not talk like that I want to be really clear she's very uncomfortable that I'm <laughs> representing her as saying tear shit up um she's not at all how she talked but it's the easiest way for me to say it. Sorry. That makes her feel a little better. Um, <laughs> she's wild and fun and maybe not a great parent, but a great person. If you're like, I want to figure out how to like, let go a little. I want to, I want to get out there and get my flirt on. I want to like connect to my body. I don't always want to be working. She is a great resource and she okay. wants to play with you. Like she wants to be engaged. I know you have to get back to work, which again is the most Capricorn thing you could possibly have to do after your reading. Um, but I really want to thank you for doing this with me. And yeah, it's just been such a pleasure getting to meet with you and read with you. It's nice to meet you too. Such a fan. Ah, oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, well, now I'm a fan of you and I'm certainly a fan of the work you're doing and you want to do. Okay. Sending you big Capricorn love. Thank you Yay. again so, so much. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this with me. Ah, it is utterly my pleasure. Totally my pleasure. All this news about online companies taking advantage of their users is really demoralizing. That's why I want to tell you about Fight for the Future. They're a group of artists, engineers, and technologists who've powered the largest online protests in human history, defending our most basic rights in the digital age. 
They fight for a future where technology is a force for liberation, empowerment, and free expression, rather than oppression, tyranny, and corruption. To support their work and learn more about what they do, go to fightforthefuture.org. That's fightforthefuture.org. Strap yourself in. This week, there's a lot going on. But I just want to start off by sharing something I've been thinking about a lot, which is how bananas <laughs> everything is. And, you know, we have only had pocket computers and 24-hour news feeds for a very short amount of time in human history, like very short. And between COVID and now monkeypox, what? A second a second pandemic and watching brutality and war real time online all the time dealing with food insecurity, a tanking economy, a climate crisis, which is increasingly terrifying, as the billionaire class gets richer and everyone else is struggling to survive. How are we meant to carry on with business as usual? You know, I mean, like, seriously, how? The strain that it is taking on our mental, emotional, and physical health is very real. And even if you're the kind of person who tends to focus on the positive and doesn't really pay attention to news, it's got to be an act of will to do that, right? It's got to be an act of will to not be aware of and take in all the bad news that's out there. And I just want to say it's having an impact. I'm seeing it in the questions you send me. I'm seeing it in the world. And I don't have like an answer or a prediction to offer, but I do have empathy and I've got empathy for you. I've got empathy for me and everybody else, even people who are responding to this uncertainty and fear by being massive dicks, right? Like I, I've got empathy for us because this is hard. And if your life isn't going the way you thought it would, if you don't feel the way you wish you did, I want to remind you that there is a bigger picture at play. This isn't just you who's struggling. It's not a personal failure to be having a difficult time coping for your life to have taken a slower or different turn than you expected. This is happening to us as a collective. And so, yeah, just be be gentle with yourself, you know, be gentle with your progress and your process. And keep in mind that the strain that you're going through, it's not just you. It's all of us. And a lot of us don't talk about this enough. A lot of us, you know, put on a brave face and, you know, a cute filter and keep on posting, keep on socializing, keep on whatevering. But it's a it's a lot. And it's okay that it feels like a lot. I would even say it's healthy that it feels like a lot. So I don't know. Be kind to yourself and others, okay? Now, kind of on that tip, I want to share a little bit more about something that I've mentioned once before on Ghost, which is this amazing thing that I've gotten to do at the Oakland Museum. I can't even tell you how thrilling it is for me to be a part of the Hella Feminist exhibit that's happening over at the Oakland Museum. It's opening on July 29th. And BT Dubs, if you are in the Bay Area, come along on the 29th. It's going to be open for six months, so you'll have plenty of chances to check out the exhibit. But I'm going to be there on the 29th, and maybe you will too. Anyways, 
I created something I'm so thrilled about, which is a portal. And this is something that I use in my personal spiritual practice. If you're a member on Patreon, it's something I've talked about and shared how to create. I created, dare I say, my strongest and best portal ever at the Oakland Museum for this uh, immersive, integrative experience where you can enter into the space, which is judged up, my loves, judged up, and uh, tap into difficult emotions, painful emotions, grief, loss, panic, and release them into the portal. And there is like an audio component of it where you hear my voice talking you through how to do it. Um, Yeah, come and burden yourself. And whilst you're at it, check out a bunch of cool art. If you're in the Bay and you want to go or if you're just interested in, in this event, I put a link to get tickets and learn more in the show notes. So bada bing, bada boom, click, click, click. Okay, let's get astrological. And I'll start by saying it's episode 269, and we are looking at the week of July 24th through the 30th of 2022. And this week has a lot. Uh, If you're already following along through Astrology for Days, or if you listen to my month ahead horoscope again over on Patreon, then you have a sense of what's coming. But I just want to like heads up you this week is you know, squares and oppositions galore. There's some heavy stuff. So if you're not in the frame of mind to hear kind of heavier astrology, eh, come back to this episode. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe wait for the transcript and read it on my website when when it comes out, you know, 24, 48 hours after the, the episode itself comes out. But if you're down to get astrological, let's do it. So The first transit of this week is exact on the 24th, and it is a lovely square. It is a Venus square to Jupiter. This is a great transit because the tension that squares bring between Venus, which is romance, finances, uh, love, beauty, all this kind of good stuff, and Jupiter, which is expansive and adventurous, it's great. You know, does it have a downside? Of course it does. Everything has a downside, but it's not a heavy downside. Like it's not a big deal. It's like, may you eat too much delicious foods. May you spend too much of your precious ducats. May you jump headfirst into a flirtation or a relationship without really considering consequences. Yes to all of those. But in the realm of difficulties, yeah, you know, it's not such a big thing. This transit is wonderful for feeling yourself for connecting with people, having really fun or just lovely social experiences. If you need to buy new clothes, this is actually a great time to try things on. Because even though, yes, you may spend too much money, you're likely to get things that make you feel good in your body or feel good about your aesthetic. So that's kind of cool. It's a great time for first dates and flirt-a-thons if you're in the market for such things. And if you're partnered or not somebody who likes dating or wants to be dating right now, uh, Venus square Jupiter is just as good. It's just great for connecting or reconnecting and feeling the love. And if you're not about dating or romance or sex, uh, this is still an excellent transit for social connection. And if you really just feel that people aren't cats and therefore why bother with them, 
first of all, I hear you. And second of all, uh, this is still a great transit for you. It's a great transit for reconnecting with the big picture, Jupiter, of your values, Venus, of going through your finances and organizing a big picture approach. Uh, It's great for enjoying art watching a good movie and feeling authentically transported. Uh, I don't know, putting together new outfits. It's a great transit is what I'm trying to say. And so find a way to as intentionally as possible, tap into the energies so that you can make the most of them. If you can, if you're in the, you know, if you're in the market for feeling good. (laughs) Okay, so that's on the 24th. Now, on the 26th, things get a little real. Starting on the 26th, we start to feel the exactitude of something that will be like full thrust on August 1st. Okay. And I mentioned this in the 2022 year ahead horoscope, which if you haven't heard it or you want to listen to it, it's in the ticker tape of my website. I mean, you can just look at my podcast feed, but it's also in the ticker tape of my website under Pluto Return of the USA. So you can click on that and it'll bring you to that episode, both the audio and the transcript. So I kind of spoke to it a bit there. And honestly, I've been kind of (laughs) hesitant to talk about it too much outside of that, but it's here. It is upon us. So what we're looking at here is a North Node Uranus-Mars conjunction in Taurus. Have we been feeling this in the last couple weeks of July? Yes, we have. Yes, we have. It's been building up. But really, the 26th through the 1st is when it's in like its exactitude moments. Now, it's important for me to name a number of things. The first thing is that, yes, Uranus and the North Node meet every approximately 15 years. So conjunctions are transits that spark all manner of things, again, which I'll break down in a second. But they're also the start of a cycle. And this is in a meaningful beginning to a 15-year cycle. So it's not just that, you know, this date is important, the, the dates of when it's exact, but it's also important to understand the start of a cycle. It's also important to remember that the last time Uranus was in the zodiac sign of Taurus was during the period that spanned the Great Depression and the beginning of World War II. The last time the North Node was in Taurus was in the early 2000s, right? And this is when lots of things were happening. But within those lots of things, uh, it's when social media really started to become a thing. And we developed new ways of using technology uh, for all manner of things, including connecting and creating community. Uranus and Mars in astrology are the two most kind of reactive and combative planets when it comes to their individuality. The risk is always present when these two planets meet up in any way that we will experience or be exposed to toxic individualism or toxic masculinity. We can certainly expect, we should certainly expect disruptions, the unexpected explosions, and all forms of electric heat. There are many astrologers out there that associate these transits with extreme weather. For me, that's really kind of outside of of my expertise. I mean, I'm very interested in weather, but it's not how I use astrology. But it's interesting. And it's especially interesting because we have seen that in the past couple of weeks in a really intense way. Now, You want to keep in mind that this conjunction, North Node, Uranus, Mars, 
is happening in Taurus. And Taurus is a fixed earth sign that seeks stability and security, right? This is an indication that we will see uh, disruptions in regards to gender-based rights. And of course, we all know, you know, cis men, they're not struggling for their rights. So it's everyone else, right? We can also see disruptions in regards to food production or the availability of food, the economy in general, and conflicts based on values. So nothing to see here, right? We can expect disruptions and upsets in all these areas globally. And we want to also keep in mind that any transit involving Uranus right now uh, is going to effectively trigger the Saturn-Uranus square, which you've heard me talk about so much if you've been listening to the podcast for the past couple of years. Uh, That particular transit was active all of 2021 and then a good part of 2022 and has just come back into orb. So uh, for the rest of 2022, we're going to be experiencing more of that breakdown of infrastructure that uh, is inevitable with this transit. And it will give more of a kind of paternal, restrictive or heavy vibe to the transit because Saturn's squaring it, right? This can be felt in your personal life um, in many ways. And in the context of the world, it's, you know, laws imposed and restrictions enforced. In the context of your personal life, I'll talk about this transit in that context in a minute. We're going to stick with the global stuff for for a hot second first. The risk here with this three-planet or two-planet North Node conjunction is civil unrest. And this could be a response to violence from the state. Uh, This could be uh, an increase or presentation of terrorist attacks, uh, domestic or otherwise. And essentially what we have is the risk of toxic individualism and the desperation of people's stability and security feeling threatened with the heat and passion and defensiveness uh, that Uranus and Mars can bring. And this can lead to either individuals or militias feeling entitled to strike, maybe even like they have to strike in order to survive. And because of the nature of these planets, we may also see acts of violence that erupt spontaneously instead of being pre-planned. Within that, you know, you play with fire, you might not plan on burning something down, but things get out of control. So these are definitely themes we want to be looking out for in this week and in general in this period. So within all of this, we've got to be paying attention to our civil rights digitally and not in any one country. This is a global issue. Governments generally lag behind the progress and development of technology and especially technology developed through corporations who are, you know, by and large guided by their own bottom line and their own desire to make money and attain power and not the needs of the people. So as a result, technology is moving much faster than legislation, if we even trust legislation to be there to protect the populace, right? We may see some major developments in this regard for better or worse through this transit. And as we've been building up to this transit, we've seen chaos, revolution, uh, the climate crisis spiking. These things are all connected to this monumental transit. And because of all of this, it is certainly possible that we will see the the spark that has been lit of civil unrest in many nations to catch fire, 
right? That is a risk here. And I certainly wouldn't wish that upon any peoples. And anyone who would, I think, is not thinking about the impact on the most vulnerable amongst us. But business as usual cannot continue, right? Like it cannot continue. So something's got to give. So I've named a bunch of kind of scary and heavy things that this transit can provoke. But luckily, it can also provoke really uh, progressive things uh, in regards to revolution and uh, people coming together to use our collective power to make a change, maybe to force a change. So uh, collective ideas and movements may be birthed in this period or gain traction or cultivate more power. We have the power to come together and build communities that actually provide for the people. We have the power to make change under this transit. The key is to do it together. Again, the risk with Uranus and Mars is toxic individuality, toxic uh, masculinity, right? And so we want to avoid the urge to make ourselves the main character of everything we do. Listen, you are the main character of your life. But when it comes to collective movements, yeah, we need to work as a collective. We need to come together as a collective. This transit is powerful and unpredictable by nature. Uranus governs that which is unpredictable. And therefore, the potential for discovery, for innovation of new paths and and new ways forward, the potential for accelerated development and healing through this transit is is great. It's huge. But it won't come from seeking dominion over others. It won't come from main character syndrome. It comes from collective movements where we seek liberty and freedom for all, especially the downtrodden, instead of trying to push some people down so that we can get our individual needs or our group's needs met, right? Now, I promise to talk about this on more of a personal level. On a personal level, you know, all the stuff I'm saying applies. Uh, There is a great potential for upsets and ego clashes. But within that is the potential for things to get destabilized so you can create a new and better kind of stability, a new and better kind of uh, security. So the key is to have a healthy ego. And a healthy ego doesn't mean no ego. A healthy ego means a balanced ego. It's important in this period to make sure that you are truly listening to others and collaborating with them instead of trying to force your needs or assert your needs and perceptions onto other people. You may encounter new parts of your sexuality, your ambitions, your relationship to your ego or bravery or your role in the world at large, your goals for how to engage with the world at large. And this can be a moment where things suddenly open up or suddenly change, or suddenly shut down. It's unwise to do anything terribly rash, even though this energy is going to make you want to. You may have to deal with other people who just did some weird shit. They just, you know, they didn't think it through and they did some shit and you have to deal with it. Again, Mars and Uranus are both related to explosives. So Yes, that is like literally like bombs and guns, but it's also explosive energies like, you know, big reveals, uh, passion, that kind of stuff. Because of this, this transit can coincide with accidents, especially if it hits your birth chart directly. This is happening at 18 degrees of Taurus. So, you know, check out your birth chart and see if you have anything at 18 degrees of a fixed sign, because that'll be a particularly uh, 
lit up point in your birth chart. And you want to make sure that you do not get into accidents. So if you're feeling angry or frustrated or just like really activated, be particularly careful, you know, with your with your body. Also with your with your mouth. <laughs> make sure you don't say shit that you don't want out there because once it's out there, you can't take it back. It's like there's the Wayback Machine on the Internet. But when you say things to people, they can live in their minds forever. That's just how that goes. This is a great time for getting weird in the bedroom if you can do so safely and consensually, of course. And uh, keeping in mind, of course, we have a new pandemic, uh, monkeypox. So be especially careful. But it's a great time for getting weird, uh, for getting sweaty. So do it alone. Do it with partners, whatever works for you. Uh, But it is always a good idea to find a way to viscerally express Martian energies. So, you know, dance in your bedroom, sing really loud, get sweaty, whatever. Mars likes all of it. Mars Mars is going to take whatever you give it. So uh, yeah, there's that. And this particular transit is scary and it, it has the potential to be scary anyways. But part of why it's scary is because change is scary. And being destabilized, which is Uranus's whole thing, um, it governs destabilization, is scary. But we need to have things destabilized in order for them to change. And change is an essential part of creating progress, right, of improving things. So if you're somebody who doesn't like change, of course, this is happening in a fixed sign, sign a zodiac sign that does not like change, probably the sign that likes change the least in all the zodiac, Taurus, right? If you have a relationship to change where you kind of instinctively greet it with uh, resistance, then this is a great opportunity for you to reconsider. Try to build a different muscle, you know, a little bit more of a flexible muscle. You don't have to get it perfect. You don't even have to get it good. You just kind of try. Just try. And sometimes the best learning opportunities come through your fuck ups. So be humble and present enough to be able to learn from what isn't working. Now, if you thought that was a lot, oh, well, that's too bad because I got more. Uh, On the 26th, we have another exact transit, and it is a Mercury square to Mars. So on the 26th, Mars is at 15 degrees and Uranus and the North Node are at 18. So the Mercury square to Mars is not exactly square to Uranus yet. Okay, and Mercury square to Mars is irritating. It's irritating when this transit occurs you're likely to be super annoying or super annoyed, or most likely both. And is this bad news in the context of the transit I just told you about? Fuck yeah, it is. It is bad news. Because people are more likely, and you of course are included in people, we are all more likely to be defensive, irritable, aggressive, sharp in the way we communicate. Um, We are more likely, therefore, to take things personally and act out. This transit is just straight up annoying. It's annoying. And it would be very easy for you to tell yourself that people are out to get you and that somebody is, you know, gaslighting you, attacking you. And I don't know, maybe they are. Seriously, maybe they are. But I want to encourage you to slow down because Mars heats everything up and Mercury is your mind, your attitudes, it's communication. You may be having a really strong reaction to something someone said or wrote or, you know, the way they gave you a side eye. And your reaction may be adding fuel to a fire that would put itself out if left alone. Choose your battles 
very wisely, very wisely, and know that you're likely to be irritated. And so is everyone else. It's just annoying. So again, be careful around having accidents. You want to be really aware of your energy so you don't do something that has some sort of disruptive impact on your life or on others. And try to be aware of your ego. When we have a maladjusted ego, in other words, when it is too aggressive or not aggressive enough, when it is too big or not big enough, that's when we're most likely to have a difficult time under challenging Mars transits like this one or like these ones. And so this is a great time for you to get some feedback from the universe about where your ego's at. Do you need to strengthen it? Do you need to give it like a cold shower or something? Uh, No value judgment. You don't need to judge yourself for where you're at, where you're coming from. It's just about finding ways of being like, all right, this is where I'm at. And what do I want to do about it? What can I what can I tolerate to do about it? Keep in mind, if you're having a rough minute and you're asking other people for help, they may not have the energy because Mercury square to Mars is also really busy. It's a busy transit. And again, the overlap of these transits is not going to make anything more chill. It's not going to make anyone feel less irritable, less busy, uh, you know, less triggered, whatever it is. So, you know, it's not going to last forever. You know what the weather report says. The weather report says weird storms full of lightning and thunder and rain and maybe it's really hot or maybe it's not. Nobody knows. It's a weird weather report. So prepare for it to the best of your ability. And part of preparing for it is knowing that you can't completely prepare for it. You can only respond to the best of your ability when shit gets weird. That brings us to our next transit. And this one, not so bad. Not so bad. So happy to tell you that. Uh, On the 27th, Mercury forms an exact trine to Chiron. This transit fosters a willingness to work on things, a willingness to mentally or verbally like to, to communicate with others or to think about things that are difficult, things that are challenging and triggering, which pretty good timing, wouldn't you say? Uh, this transit is really lovely. And while, you know, it can still bring up heavy themes or difficult conversations with the astrology of this week, I mean, cool, whatever, you know, uh, it certainly strengthens our willingness and ability to get real with people, to get real with ourselves, to change our minds, to kind of excavate some of our triggers and to work with or on them. This is a great thing. Now, if things are real sideways, right, they're really just not working for you, your best move, your best move is to uh, choose a little introspection, spend time in a little place called me. You know what I mean? In other words, what I want to encourage you to do is reflect on what you're thinking, on what your logic is, on whether or not you've listened to other people's perspective, even if you think their perspective is stupid uh, or they're wrong. Have you actually tried to understand what the other person or the other people are feeling, what they're thinking, what they've expressed to you? It's a huge part of communicating. It's listening and it's taking in information so that you can process that information. It's not easy. None of this stuff is exactly easy, but the Mercury trying to Chiron is really helpful 
in the context of this week's astrology. So, uh, you know, it might just be a little wind beneath your wings, but it's it's a nice wind. So hopefully now you know it's there. You can kind of uh, use it a little bit more. Okay, now that brings us to the 28th. So on the 28th, we have two exact transits. The first one is a new moon in Leo. Yes, on July 28th at 10.55 a.m. Pacific time, we have a new moon in Leo at 5 degrees and 38 minutes. And on the same date, we have a Mercury square to Uranus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so giddy up. New moon in Leo is an excellent time. It's just, I mean, who doesn't want a new moon in Leo? Maybe the answer is Taurus. A new moon in Leo can be a life-affirming, buoyant time where we tap into our emotions and our intentions, and we have the capacity to be in alignment with those two things. And so, you know, you're going to see lots of astrologers or astrology websites or whatever accounts talking about, like, all your dreams will come true, the new moon of possibility. Uh, And yeah, you know, I don't personally see it happening that way. Okay. And that is because this new moon is happening in the context of the rest of the astrology. We do have the Uranus North Node Mars conjunction. It's not exact, but my God, it's very close. Um, And it is all being squared by Mercury. So Mercury is exactly squared to Uranus, but more loosely squared to Mars and not very loosely. We are still under the influence of the Venus-Jupiter square, yay, but also feeling the effects of the Venus-Chiron square, nay, or rather, boo. Also, also, uh, Saturn and Uranus are square, and as you know, Mercury and Uranus are square. So that means, yeah, you guessed it, Mercury and Saturn are opposite each other. Okay, don't worry, I'm going to break all this down. Here's the upshot you may be in a really negative frame of mind and feeling like you're chafing at it. So we may see, as an example, uh, you know, mask mandates reimposed in many of the places that have taken them away. We may see some sort of uh, restrictions imposed that actually are for your freedom, but make you feel like you have less freedom. And the key is, Can you cultivate an objective enough frame of mind to perceive what is happening or will you stay in a reactive state? Or you may be a living angel, but you're still going to be around other people who are dealing with this and maybe not dealing with it gracefully. So other people may be acting out or feeling really trapped and defensive, even if you yourself are not. And again, this is particularly impacting people who have fixed signs in their birth chart. So we're talking about Leo, Aquarius, Taurus, and Scorpio. Those are the fixed signs. So we may have uh, disagreements, misunderstandings, unexpected reveals or changes in any area of our lives. But because of the Venus component, as well as Mercury, we can certainly expect this to be impacting our relationships. So you might be going through a bananas time at work or really panicking about the climate crisis or like, or you suffered some sort of setback or are dealing with some sort of frustration and you're having a moment and it might have nothing to do with your relationships. But when you feel shitty, it's more likely that you'll act shitty right? Consciously or unconsciously. And then if someone else is also having a shitty day or is just done with dealing with other people's shit, then we have a conflict, right? So again, 
it is important to know that when things come to the surface, they do so not to torture you, but so that you are so that you can cope with them. So finding ways of being forthright and humble is really important. For so many people, it is far easier to express needs or boundaries in an angry or defensive way or to express no needs and no boundaries and be really like nice. And so this new moon will offer us opportunities to get better at expressing our needs and limits. And those opportunities may come in the package of a pain in your sweet little buns, but it's still an opportunity and one worth uh, making use of. The ways that you kind of experience and engage with frustration and feeling blocked uh, or in any way trapped is likely to get triggered this new moon. And luckily, it's a new moon in Leo. So even though, yes, it's a fixed sign, it's also a sign that is all about courage, right? So tap into heartfelt courage and not in a defensive way if you can avoid it, but in a way that literally is in alignment with your heart. That's the best case scenario for this new moon and one we should all be making an effort to uh, experience and enjoy. Jupiter is forming a trine to the new moon. So the potential for us to make use of the positive potential here is really strong. But I feel that it would be idealistic to ignore that Uranus, North Node, Mars conjunction or the Mercury, Saturn opposition in this chart. Those things keep our attention focused on what is difficult and even on scarcity. And that sucks. It's difficult. On top of it, the Mercury square to Uranus is disruptive. It's stressful. And it can incline us to blurt things out or make choices that are spontaneous and not necessarily in our best interests, right? So a lot of this new moon is about impulse control and making sure that you are acting in ways and kind of like holding things in your internal world in ways that are life affirming and that align with your values instead of your fears. Because as you know, fixation on fear is like prayer for what you don't want. And we're not doing that in 2022, right? I mean, that's like a 2016 thing. We're not doing that in 2022. So actually, a lot of us are. We're doing it. But we have a great opportunity in this new moon in Leo to make a shift, make a change, destabilize things so that they can achieve a greater form of security and stability. It's important to keep in mind that this new moon in Leo, July 28th, is happening in this period of intensity. Now, again, the conjunction of Mars, Uranus, and the North Node is in its like perfect exactitude, August 1st, I would say July 31st through August 2nd, right? But we're very much in it right now. And because of that, what we're seeing, what we're experiencing now in our personal lives and in the world around us, this is a harbinger for what's to come in a very real way. So what control do you have over the world? Eh, not so much, maybe some, and please do exercise it to the best of your ability. But what you do have control over is how you respond to your emotions, right? What intention you bring, uh, your willingness to do the work in your life, right? And, and that's something you can be uh, aligned with. Now, 
That brings us to the last exact transit of this week. And that, my friends, is a Mercury opposition to Saturn. Yes, the thing I mentioned in the new moon chart. So this transit is likely to put you and everyone else in a pretty serious frame of mind. In fact, uh, Mercury is your mind and your thoughts and your friendships, while Saturn is restriction and scarcity. And therefore, we can find ourselves really fixated on a negative uh, track of thinking. We can experience depressiveness. The reason why this happens is because of Saturn's tendency to focus on scarcity, what we don't have. And so uh, comparing yourself to others, comparing yourself to where you think you should be or where you thought you would be, this shit is just a waste of your precious energy. It really is. Other people's success or failure does nothing for your success or failure, right? Where you're at is simply that. It's where you're at. It's where you're starting from. The positive potential that we should do our best to you know, make use of when it comes to this transit is humility, being able to stay present with things that are maybe hard to stay present with uh, is, is aided by a willingness to experience humility. So you may need to contemplate, you may need to uh, acknowledge harm you've created or mistakes you've made. And that doesn't mean you're a harmful person or a failure we can make mistakes. In fact, we all make mistakes all the time. No one amongst us is perfect. We all struggle. We all have insecurity. We all experience fearfulness and problems and failure in life. And learning how to cope with those experiences is really important. It really is. And this transit can be an opportunity to cope with those things in a productive way. Because again, Saturn governs productivity. This is not a great time to end things. So uh, cancel contracts, cancel or sign contracts, actually, uh, end relationships, any of that kind of stuff. Not a great time for it. Because your negative frame of mind or the negative frame of mind that the people you're dealing with are in can get in the way of your progress. Okay. Uh, It is not a great time to ask for something from someone else because everyone's under the influence of this transit. And if I'm in a state of scarcity, then I'm not going to want to give you something extra probably, right? So time your your requests uh, wisely, if you can, by avoiding it, uh, honestly, this week. And if you can't avoid it this week, try to put it closer to that Venus square Jupiter and further from the Mercury opposition to Saturn, which includes don't do it on the new moon where the transit is practically exact. If you find yourself fixated on friendships or projects that didn't turn out the way you wanted them to, again, try to learn from whatever it is that you're fixating on for whatever story you're telling yourself. Uh, If you find yourself dealing with people in a way that's painful or stressy, don't try to win. Don't try to win. Just try to listen and be authentic in what you share. That's your best move. Mercury opposite Saturn is, it's a depressive, heavy, frame of mind. It's it's a rough transit in many ways. But Saturn has energies that can be leveraged. And those energies are around, again, productivity, responsibility, humility, uh, showing up, 
doing what you say you're going to do. So if you've been putting off a bunch of things and it's just been getting to you, yeah, try to do it around the new moon around this date. So again, around the 28th through the start of next month. Now that might be interrupted by this Mars Uranus North Node Michigas, you know, but the Mercury opposition to Saturn actually can be quite grounding in the context of all this uh, chaotic, upsetting, unpredictable energy. You just don't want to ground into fear or scarcity. So my friends, my loves, my nerds, that's your horoscope. I'm going to run through the transits one more time. On the 24th, we have an exact square between Venus and Jupiter. On the 26th, we have an exact square between Mercury and Mars and the onset of the uh, kind of exactitude of the North Node, Uranus, and Mars conjunction in Taurus. On the 27th, Mercury forms an exact trine to Chiron. On the 28th, we have a Newman in Leo, and that's exact at 10.55 a.m. Pacific time, and an exact square between Mercury and Uranus. And then finally, on the 30th of July, we have an exact Mercury opposition to Saturn. Huzzah! And that, my friends, is your horoscope. As always, if you want to support the work or uh, learn more with me, join me over on Patreon on the first of every month. I drop a bonus episode of Ghost, and it's a month ahead horoscope, so you can prepare for the days and weeks before you. So join me over there. And if you get value from the podcast and you're just not a Patreon kind of person, it would mean ever so much to me if you would hit that subscribe button uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, give the show five stars and write me a, a kind review. Okay, my loves, I know this was a kind of a heavy download. Uh, I hope it is helpful for you and that you stay safe out there and that you meet the energy of these times with fortitude and strength. I'll talk to you next week. And if you're in the Bay, maybe I'll see you on the 29th. Okay, bye-bye. Every year they say the end is near.